Welcome to the Bear Down Football Podcast with your host, Austin Muniz, and this is the first one I've done in a while. I couldn't, sorry that I haven't been able to do any. I think the last one I did was actually after the Sacramento State game, but with work and a lot of other things going on in my life, I really wasn't able to sit down and and be able to do this. Um, you know, that, that season ended up not going so well, but, uh, you know, I, and I ended up going to all the games, all the home games, um, except one, but that was because I went to another game out of state. But I ended up going to five of the six home games. Um, UNC ended the season up at 2-9. and nine. Uh, Started the season 0-7. Um, you know, I really wasn't, I mean, definitely wasn't, you know, the season that everybody kind of was hoping that would happen. Um, and really right away, you know, after the first, you know, three, four games, you might think, well, maybe their playoff chances were done and maybe we can just have a decent season. But, um didn't turn out that way you know and 0-7 you know it's kind of hard for you know to people to really like keep following the team um for you know for fans to go out to the games and some of the home games was you know sparsely um attended by by people um you know unfortunately especially the students but uh you know I was there every game you know and even though they didn't end very well I'm you know I'm happy I went to every game I was honestly had fun every game I went to, even though sometimes UNC didn't play too well and got beat up pretty good. But, uh, you know, it was fun, and, you know, I'm always going to be a supporter of uh, UNC uh, football and just, you know, UNC athletics in general. You know, I'm just hoping for one of these years to where they can, you know, really be competitive in the league and make the playoffs. Make the playoffs is really my, you know, ultimate kind of, you know, I guess at this point maybe fantasy at this point, seeing UNC do that. But, um, you know, I mean, it, you know, it just seems just like the season just started. I was waiting for games, and just like in a flash like that, it was uh, all over. And uh, UNC ending at uh, 2 and 9 to, to end the season. Um, like I said, I think the last game I did on here was against Sacramento State, um, a game that was close, but they ended up losing. The next week, they uh, ended up going to Weber State against uh, a team that's still. Uh, highly ranked um and they ended up you know actually playing that game really tough i think down by a touchdown you know kind of late in that game in the fourth quarter there but ended up losing 45 to 28 in that one and then they had a kind of a three-game stretch um against north dakota uc davis and portland state where things really didn't go very well um it was kind of you know i think they put a lot into those first four games and they didn't come out very well, and just it just seemed like the team just kind of lost something in those three games. Um, you know, at home, the only game I didn't attend at home this uh, this year because I went to actually went to Chicago to watch Michigan play Northwestern uh, that week. Um, North Dakota came into Greeley and ended up winning 38-13 and pretty much dominated that whole game, put up a ton of rushing yards. Um, you know, up until that point, UNC had you know, had had their kind of done well or decent against the run. And in that game, you know, against a team that really, that's their bread and butter, they ran all over UNC and pretty much dominated that game from the get-go and won 38-13 in Greeley. Um, next game was against UC Davis, a much-improved team from the year before in the Big Sky. Um, it was UNC's homecoming, but UC Davis came right in. And even though the score ended 49-36, to I think at one point it was like 42-7. to seven or forty two to fourteen and it kinda at the end it was 
more or less uh, garbage time, a lot of, you know, getting a little more points there at the end to make it look somewhat close. Um, I was happy to actually stick that one out because UNC did actually really well in that fourth quarter, but ended up losing that one 49-36 to to UC Davis team, who last week played Eastern Washington probably for the Big Sky Championship and ended up getting beat pretty good. So I mean, I still kind of expect them to be one of the Big Sky teams to make the playoffs. And then next week, you know, you're thinking, okay, here's UNC. They're at 0-6 at this point. They're facing a Portland State team who did come off a pretty, like, good victory from them the week before against Montana on a last-second field goal. I mean, this was a team that didn't win a game all of last season and has kind of been one of the, you know, doormans of the Big Sky the past few years. And you thought, okay, you know, UNC, this is a game that they could win. I mean, even though it's on the road, uh, they went there last time a couple years back and actually um, played it at Providence Park where the Portland Timbers play. For, that's kind of weird because for some reason they always play UNC there and then they play uh, everybody else at this kind of weird, you know, complex, like, like multi-sport complex team. But they've always played UNC at Providence Park, which is cool. Um, that was a shootout. I can't remember the score, but I think it was like 50-some to 50-some. Um, this one, so you're thinking, okay, here UNC has a chance. Uh, but right away they fall behind early and by a lot. And again, it just ended up being, you know, basically playing the second half out, you know, and trying to show some pride. They ended up losing that one 35 to 14. You know, and at this point, you know, they're 0-6. Um, they still have some, you know, they, they still had Northern Arizona, Southern Utah, and Eastern Washington, Montana State. Um, you know, you're looking at those last four games and you're thinking to yourself, you know, which one can they win? Maybe Southern Utah. Um, you know, but thinking, oh, this team might end up not winning a game this whole season. You know, so kind of came to the point where, well, let's hope they win one. Um, then they come into the next week against Northern Arizona. Um, they kind of get, you know, they probably get lucky in the sense that Northern Arizona comes in the, into the game with their third-string quarterback. Um, you know, I, di- I didn't really notice that until the game started. Um, their, you know, their uh, starter was was out. Their backup, I think it was a little banged up, or no? I think I think the word was when I when I watched uh, the replay on TV um, was that he uh, got suspended or was going to up. He ended up actually getting hurt in the game, so they went with the third string of the, the the whole game. But the thing also with UNC, I think eleven players in that game that were uh, ruled um, ineligible for. I think they had missed some uh, some time, like or they'd missed, been late, or stayed out past their curfew there in Portland. So um, they were sus- suspended for this game. Um, some some of you know pretty big big name players on the team. I know uh, Alex Wesley was out for this one. Trey Reek was out for this one. Uh, they went into this one literally without a kicker. So the um, Noah Soul had to do the kickoff duties and the punting duties, which he kind which he actually did really well on both, um, especially punting. He had like a bomb of like 60 yards like in in, in this game. Um, but they didn't really have a field goal kicker, so they went for two every single time. So they were <laughs> kind of uh, men down in this one, but they played. It, w- it was kind of a look into the future. They played a lot of their younger players, some guys that hadn't even played all season long, um, some players that played sparingly, and it was actually a really good performance for them. I remember going to that game and I was talking to my brother and my dad, thinking, okay, you know, I just want to come to one UNC game where they just, like, put it all together and they play well and they, you know, upset a team and, you know, and coming into this game, even though Northern Arizona had, uh, you know, down to Thurston quarterback, the game before they had actually, I think they had a bye week and they were playing UNC, um, they had beat Weber State. So, you know, my hopes kind of were going low into that one. 
you know, with the suspended players, with, you know, Northern Arizona winning, beating Weber State last time out, and Northern Arizona being kind of a, you know, perennial, at least solid team in the big sky every year, you know, playoff team last year. And you're thinking, okay, you know, this one, hoping they keep it close. You know, I'm see if I can, you know, try to get through another game here, even if it ends up, you know, a blowout. Um, but, you know, when UNC came out and they, you know, the guys that hadn't played much, quite a few freshmen getting some playing time, um, you know, really did well in this game. Um, you saw, uh, you know, Dante Warren was a guy that really stepped it up um, in this game. Um, Darren Delacroix, like a, basically like the third string tight end H-back, did really well in this game. Um, you know, a guy in defense, a true freshman, Emmanuel Adebayo, uh, got some action, and he was, you know, he made a, some mistakes, but then he also made plays and was all over the place. And it just seemed like these, you know, kind of younger kids, they had they gotten their opportunity, and they just, you know, and they made the best of it. And um, it was really surprising. It came out a 42-14 to 14 victory for UNC. This one, the first of the season, to put them at um, one and seven at that point, and was easily the most enjoyable game of the year for, uh, you know, for me to go and watch. Um, as they really put that one together where they had, you know, played good defense um, and just, you know, they ran the ball well in this game and threw the ball well. Um, um, Keen Mott, actually, I think this was the first game he had he had missed, I think, the last, I know he missed Portland State, and I think he got injured in the UC Davis one as well. So this was his first game uh, back from uh, that. And um, so it was a good victory for UNC. And they, then they, next week they go on to Southern Utah. And they carried that momentum right in there. They ended up winning this one 42-39. to 39. Um, I don't think at any point they trailed in this game. Um, I, so I think even at some point they were up 42 to, I think, maybe even like 17 or 21 or something. They were, you know, dominating. They kind of let Southern Utah get back in the game. Um, but, you know, it was another pretty decent performance by UNC. And this one, um, Keaton Mott passed early on. But what they did really well in this game is they ran the ball. Both uh, Milo Hall and Trey Reek had over 100 yards in this game. I think they ended up having a combined, I think it was just below 300, like 292 yards, but it was the first time in UNC's uh, FCS D1 history where that had happened. They had two running backs have that over 100 yards like that. And it was, you know, a solid performance by the offensive line in that one. And then, you know, a good, you know, they kind of held on at the end. But, you know, just two wins in a row. So they go into two and seven. Um, and then they probably face probably their toughest um, opponent on the schedule in Eastern Washington, um, who looks like they're probably going to win the Big Sky this year. And um, you know, in that one they you know fell behind right away and just never never really in this game and lose 48 to 13. And you know, Eastern Washington was really impressive, easily the best team that I had seen UNC play all year long. Whether it was you know going to the games or watching them on TV um, or streaming them on TV. Um, you know, they were loaded in every way. I mean, you, they didn't even have their uh, All-American quarterback, uh, Gage Gudrud, I think his name is. Um, and they went with their backup, Eric Briere, and he was was pretty good as well, throwing the ball, running the ball. Um, I mean, their offense was like a machine. Um, you know, they ran it with two, three different running backs. Um, Briere was running it. Um, you know, he was hitting, I think, seven, eight different receivers. Um, it just was, it was constantly moving, constantly gaining yards. And they were just impressive in a lot of ways. They looked bigger in UNC. They were faster than UNC. Um, you know, their defense, you know, happens to be one of the better ones in the league this year. Um, they were just, 
they were impressive. You know, I would really like to see, you know, someday UNC be at that level. I hope so one day, but they were really good. It wouldn't surprise me if this team made a semifinal or even, a, you know, a final run um, into the FCF playoffs. I think they are the best chance for uh, the biggest guy to team to possibly win it this year. And then you go on to the last game of the season, you go against Montana State, a game last year where UNC was actually up in that one twenty. Uh, 1-7, to seven, I think, at halftime. They ended up, I think, losing it by like a, a last-second field goal. I think maybe it ended up being 25-24, I want to say, or something like that. Um, so, you know, you come into this one thinking, okay, have, you know, maybe this is the one they could win in the season. Uh, Montana State was actually down to their, I think, third quarterback. And I, I, mean, I think it was a guy that, um, I think their original quarterback, I think he had taken the year off because of academic reasons. Um, I think the backup got hurt, um, and so what ends up happening, a guy that was actually a quarterback for them the year before also could play linebacker for them, and they were he was going to play linebacker for them, and he even might have played some of the games this year for them at linebacker. Um, he ends up having to be the quarterback because that's really all they all had left, plus I think they had one other scholarship guy, and I think he even he may have gotten hurt at some point, so... Uh, he was basically all they had. Um, I remember watching them against South Dakota. I think it was South Dakota State earlier season. Their offense looked like pretty terrible, but you know against UNC, who has a hard time uh, stopping the run, Montana State did a lot of that. Uh, they were winning the field position battle pretty much all game. And uh, even though UNC came, you know, first drive of the game was uh, went up seven to nothing. Um, they just didn't do too much after that, and you know, and then they couldn't really stop Montana State, and it blew 35 to seven. I know uh, Keen Mott might had have been a little banged up um, going into this one as against you know, Washington. I know he smacked his helmet really hard, um, and then in the second, I think it was like mm, towards the end of the first half against Eastern Washington, and, and then Connor Regan had to come in and finish that one out, and he went, he gave it a go here, and then it looked like it was in cold weather. Um, it was snowing before, which it was before the game, which looked pretty cool. Kind of wish I would have kind of went to that game. It looked like a pretty cool atmosphere. Um, but you know, UNC ends up losing this one, 35 to seven. Um, and then the season at two and nine. Um, you know, look back at it, it was definitely a frustrating uh, type of season. Um, unfortunately, uh, you know, the past two years have kind of had the same kind of feel to them. Um, same kind of mistakes, uh, same kind of problems. Um, you know, last year they had some injuries. This year they had injuries. Um, you know, the they couldn't stop their run last year. They had a decent time at the beginning of this year where they were all right against the run, uh, and it eventually turned into where you know, you know, especially the games they got blown out in, they couldn't stop it at all. Um, the defense, defensive backs, still I think you know it's probably the strength of the defense. And for the most part, they did pretty well, um, but you know, when sometimes when teams can run on the ball on you at will, uh, it opens up that passing game and you know puts them at a disadvantage. So, I mean, they had some games where they got torched, um, but you know, for the most part, you know, I still think the D DBs, some of the best, uh, you know, it's definitely the best part of their defense. Um, you know, and then at penalties and at opportune times. Um, that didn't help them. That didn't help them out. Um, again, they struggled running the ball most of the season, even though they had some good performances here and there. 
Um, you know, the injury at quarterback didn't help. Nip going down pretty much, what was it, the third game of the season. Um, you know, uh, except Keaton Mott came in, and he got injured as well. I think he uh, missed a game or two with, uh, like, I think concussion protocol. Uh, missed a half against Eastern Washington because he slammed his he uh, hand up against a helmet. Um, but, you know, I think with, you know, maybe I'll get into the players a little bit more, a little bit later. But, uh, you know, um, so it was just kind of the same mistakes, same, you know, unfortunately, same kind of results either way, three and seven last year, two and nine this year. Um, you know, you thought after two and six and five seasons that maybe this was going in a different direction, but, you know, but it hasn't, um, you know, so it should be interesting what, you know, I hate to even bring this up, um, but it's interesting to see what the decision is going to be on Coach uh, Ernest Collins here. I read, I think, says they're going to evaluate him in, like, a couple of weeks and see where they go from here. Um, you know, maybe they're waiting for, you know, some seasons at the end, and maybe they already have people in, um, in you know, already already looking at some people, maybe even have some offers, and who knows. Um, you know, I'll go, you know, I don't want to do this, but I think, I think we really have to, it's to the point where now you, I might, you know, look at maybe some of the next uh, UNC head coaches. I'll do that after a bit. Um, but, you know, it was a disappointing season, like I said, um, you know, and have to wait until again next year. I think the first game against San Jose State in uh, San Jose, I think it's going to be at the end of August. And I'm already, I'm already looking forward to that. Uh, I know, you know, some, you know, it's just, I love UNC, I do, I really do. Um, you know, I'm gonna, you know, at least I'll have some other sports to kind of follow them in here kind of in the coming uh, months. Um, you know, we've got basketball season right now, and last night they had a really good win against uh, Pepperdine, 88 to 80 in that one. Um, I think this is gonna be, I, I think, I mean, they're a young team. Um, you know, will it be as successful as last year, which was probably one of the most successful in, you know, in UNC history, especially at the FCS level, you know, maybe besides their NCAA tournament bid, you can maybe even make a case for last year, which was better, but, uh, you know, it's, you know, that's what it looks like, I think they're gonna have a solid season in basketball, um, you know, the women's basketball, you know, it looks like they could be a favorite for the big sky, um, you got, uh, you know, I, I go, I went to a wrestling match, um, this past Sunday, which I like going to, um, for them, maybe not this year, but next year they, they have like, a surprising, really quality uh, recruiting class, so the wrestling team could also be better. And then come the spring, um, I love baseball, and I'll probably be going to many of the UNC baseball games. The best thing about that, those are free. So I'll be watching all these UNC sports, um, you know, then the summertime comes up, and I'll be, you know, looking for, you know, football to come back up. And, uh, you know, I'll be also checking out, you know, the recruits that come in and, you know, on signing day, which would, you know, which is always a fun thing to kind of look into. You know, it's not like, it's not like a D1 where you might already know these guys. You have like big time clips, you know, it's, you know, you, you, you know, you're watching the tape of some of these guys for the first time. And you're like, oh man, maybe this kid can be something special here. You know, maybe this is the next, you know, big time quarterback. Next is a big time running back or this guy will help out on defense and stuff like that. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, so speaking of, you know, uh, next season, um, go over a little bit here about uh, who's UNC is missing at, you know, about each position on offense and defense. Look at the quarterback position, you're going to have uh, Jacob Nip gone um, probably next year. Um, you know, I'm, I don't know. I mean, he 
he you know he played only two games and missed a, or three um, technically you know who knows if he was gonna get a medical red shirt um, but and, you know for six year I guess on this but I don't know I it would be in a way uh, kind of surprising uh, because I think you know, he'd probably wouldn't want to go through another injury he might just say screw it and take his chances in the NFL which he was actually the top rated FCS quarterback so I wouldn't doubt if he did that um, and, and then, honestly I wouldn't mind that you know you know going ahead with his career but you know I think uh, you know Keaton Mott he'll be a redshirt junior next year and he he has a lot of potential uh, you know the best arm on the team um, you know clean up a little bit of mistakes but I think that also had to do because he was under pressure quite a few times but I think he could be a good one. I, you know, I'm I'm impressed with him. Um, you know, I really am. Uh, if he can stay healthy all year long and, you know, limit the mistakes, get better protection, you know, get a good running game going, um, I think he could be um, a really good quarterback for the next couple of years for UNC, a kind of guy that can get to the 2,000, high 2,000, 3,000 yard range. I think he has that capability. Um, and if he goes down, you know, you got a guy who's basically going to, you know, a guy who has experience in Connor Regan. He's a redshirt junior. He'll be a he'll be a you know senior next year, so that should sit well. As you know, if Mott gets hurt, um, you know, and see who else they're bringing in. I know they got uh, Connor Martin there. He actually got in a few times. It'll be a third year in his program, so you know, m- you know, maybe he can step it up as well. Um, then you look at the running pos- back position, and uh, all they're, all they're losing is Trey Reek, and really like. As the season went on, it was really pretty much uh, Milo Hall's job. He ended up, you know, taking the majority of the carries. So, you know, they'll lose Trey, who's, you know, a, pr- a productive running back for them over over his years at UNC. But they're going to, you know, have Milo Hall back. I think, you know, you're going to see Julian Eisen probably get more touches. Then you got, like, two freshmen. I think that'll probably get some good looks. I think Braxton George will definitely get some looks. And uh, Matt Gaddick uh, as well will get uh, some uh time at the running back position so I think you know coming this year you're kind of worried about you know where's the depth in the running back position I think next year you're going to actually you're going to have probably four different guys that uh you know are going to do well I think Milo Hall you know already set in as somebody who you can trust and then after that I think one of Ison Gaddick or Braxton George um you know you can see one of those guys step it up and become big time um you know nowadays it's good to have at least two, probably even three, uh, solid, you know, maybe even four solid running backs, as you see some of the other teams. The Big Sky have those kind of, that many running backs, which they use. Uh, so, not really worried about the running back position going into next year. Uh, and then that wide receiver, I mean, they lose, you know, probably their best overall player on the team, Alex Wesley. Um, you know, he's put up another another thousand yard a season for them you know a tremendous player wouldn't doubt if he gets you know I wouldn't doubt if he gets drafted and I wouldn't and if he doesn't get drafted him he'll definitely I think be on some kind of you know free agent he'll be picked up as a free agent and at least get a chance in some uh unprofessional uh camp I mean it would it'd be surprising me if he didn't he's a talent he's fast um you know he's just proven himself over these years to be a solid receiver for UNC um, you know, I really hope that he uh, gets a chance, and I think, you know, if he gets a chance, he'll make the best of it. Um, so, you know, he's really the only receiver that they are going to miss from next year that was a senior. 
Um, you know, again, there was just like the running back position. You were wondering, well, who's going to step up? You know, and I look at, you know, Dante Warren. I think he's the next big-time, um, you know, offensive weapon for UNC. He showed great signs. I even think sometimes they probably should have used him more. Um, you know, he was a big-time weapon. He's fast. He's big. He can, he, you know, he has good hands. He made some really good catches. I mean, I remember seeing him make a really good catch in the in the, one of the scrimmages, and there was times this during games he made really good catches. Um, I think he's going to be big time. Um, you know, we'll see. You know, we'll. He's also a quarterback. You know, is a coaching change. Um, you know, I think still think you know probably going to no matter who comes, I think Keaton Mons the guy. But what if there's a drastic change in offensive philosophy? You know, Dante Warren could be that, but I don't know. Um, I mean, I think he's a solid receiver. And then you also have Willie Fairman, who showed, you know, really good signs of, uh, you know, production at times. Um, you know, kind of a slot, fast guy over the middle. Um, definitely solid. Um, then you had uh, Sam Flowers, who came, who had made some catches during um, the, towards the end of the, the, end of the season. Um, I was kind of surprised they went with, like, I think pre- I think they decided he was going to redshirt him this year. Kind of surprised they did because when he when they put him in, he did really well. I kind of wish they would have used him all year long. But, uh, you know, it didn't seem like they decided to redshirt him because now I think you can play up to four games and still be considered a redshirt, and that's what thing ended up happening. He ended up getting in in the last four games. Um, you know, so he looks promising as well as another slot. Him and Fairman slots will, you know, be really good. Um, then on the other end, you got uh, Noah Soul, and he had some decent games during this year, you know, so you have another big target there. So, you know, you go into next year with, um, you know, some pretty, you know, more experienced wide receivers. And, and in the one game where Alex Wesley didn't play, uh, they did really well. Um, Mott threw the ball really well, and he seemed like he, during that game, he spread it around more. And, I um, mean, you know, I don't blame them for trying to get Alex Wesley the ball. You know, you want to get him the ball. But sometimes during the season, it seemed like they were forcing it to him. He was double, triple covered. Sometimes they were forcing it to him. Um, in this game, in the Northern Arizona game, you know, he wasn't there. And it just kind of, you know, he Mott was more or less looking for the wide open, you know, looking for everybody. And it did show, you know, they did really well in that game. So, you know, wide receiver, I think they're not going to have a problem with, um, you know, as far as, you know, you know, pretty much new, new like newbies like this year coming in. But. You know, we'll, we, you know, we'll, we'll see what the production is like, and I'm, I think it'll be really good next year. Um, and you got tight ends. This is where they're going to lose, you know, two of their main guys, Thyron uh, Verna and uh, Michael McCauley. Um, but as we've seen in the Northern Arizona game, with Darren Delacroix uh, catching a touchdown pass, uh, he has pretty good size. He's an athletic kid. I think he can step right in there and be a good uh, pass catching uh, tight end for them. Um, you know, and then you got like a guy like Beatty, who I think can be one, you know, kind of a Macaulay style blocking, catch the ball here and there kind of guy. And also think the, the freshman uh, Randy Clemens, who's an athletic-looking kid, tall, big, uh, could you know step up in in the tight end position. So maybe that's a position where I think they have guys that have talent. It's just gonna see how they respond next year when they get playing time. Um, then you got all the offensive line. You know, the offensive line past couple of years. Last year it was. A lot of injuries and consistent uh, this year. It stayed pretty consistent, but, you know, at times they were all right, and at times they were not very good. Um, you know, it's definitely, you know, if I had to look at two areas where UNC really needed to improve its offensive line and defensive line. Um, so, you know, hopefully, 
You know, I mean, they're gonna they're losing. Let's see, about I think four different guys that played for them on the offensive line this year. You got Zach Wilkinson. They're losing uh, Cody Wilson as well, center. Joe Lazell and Cody um, Mommertz. Um, so there's four guys. I think three of those guys were pretty much consistent starters for them. I think a guy like Kyle Ergen Bright and I think uh, Kevin Williams Jr. were the other two consistent starters. So they're going to have to replace probably three different guys on there. Could be, you know, could be good, could be not. Um, you know, so at least they have at least they have quite a few quite a few options with some guys that have been there for years and then some of the guys that were freshmen uh, this year so you know so I'm could be could could be a good thing and definitely hopefully it's an area that they improve at so now we'll go into um the defensive uh side of the ball and let's see and as far as losing as the defensive lineman um they're losing Keenan Leary um also, defensive ends uh, Kiefer Morris and Tank Terrell. Morris kind of having a you know not as impressive season the year before. Uh, you know, Tank Terrell got through a lot of uh, energy and they're gonna miss that. Um, you know, so but that gives some of these other guys uh, a chance to a step in there. Um, you know, you're gonna bring back Dijon to see a true freshman who played I'm pretty sure in every single game this year. Um, you know, gotta give him credit for that. Uh, so he's gonna be come back with a year full of experience. Uh, this also gives chance guys like uh, you know Brett Gilliland, Brett Gilliland had playing time, uh, Matthew Gator had playing time down there. I mean, I know I think Robert Moss in the Northern Arizona d- uh, game uh, did really well, you know. And then you get like uh, also going to get uh, oh another guy that did really well this year and got a lot of playing times, Brooke, Brooks Talkington. Um, uh, he's the next kind of Kiefer Morris type guy. Um, I think him. And I also think the true freshman. I don't know if you got even any playing time. Mason Knighton could be. One of those kind of guys, but Brooke Talkton was impressive. I mean, I remember seeing him in, I think, one of the spring practices this past year and thinking, dang, that kid's, you know, a, a, a big, tall kid, athletic-looking kid. And, you know, he showed good signs. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm expecting next year to him to, for him to even uh, be better. So, you know, you got him coming back. You know, and then you got guys like, let's see, you got guys like, you know, Broderick Watson, um, a big kid, uh, maybe getting a chance. You got Jalen Rogers. Another pretty solid big kid, uh, you know, Javante Garrett, a 6'6", 301-pound kid. You may be getting that year of, uh, you know, going to school and a year of, uh, you know, the college life and, you know, getting that college coaching. Going to make those guys even better. So, you know, and then you got another big body in Hezekiah Cotlong. Uh, oh, another guy coming back is Brandon Biggs, who played um, a decent amount this year on the D-line. So, I mean, they're losing three guys, but then they got the returning uh, quite a few, and there'll be um, uh, some guys that will be getting, you know, have their chance to step up in there and, you know, be a contributing factor uh, to the defensive line, which they need, you know, definitely needs to get better, especially against the run, especially against the run, which they've had struggles against the past two years. And, um, you know, it seems they do have a decent amount of defensive linemen, and I think this day and age, you probably it's good with the way it's just this fast moving offense. It's good to have probably two different, you know, sets of defensive linemen you can you can bring in and out. Um, you know, one's better against the run, pass rushing, you know, different ones too. So it's good to see how many guys they have ha- you know, have. It's just gonna be a little bit less some of these maybe you know, freshmen this year and we'll get, you know, more playing time and maybe be inexperienced, but you know, I think they have good size and um, you know, athletic so I, you know, I hope that's an area that definitely gets better. 
Then you go to linebackers. It might this might be the position where they might miss a few more than other positions. They're going to lose Denzel a Hatcher, a Henry Stelsner, and Peter Mitchell. Um, but they bring back they're going to bring back Luke Nelson, uh, who had a pretty good solid season. And I expect another guy. Oh, and then uh, Jace Bobo actually got like a decent amount of playing time towards there at the end too. Um, and another guy, Mano, like I mentioned earlier, Mano, Emmanuel Adebayo. He's impressive. Uh, he's a tall, uh, you know, excitable, has a you know, big engine type of kid. Um, you know, I'd like to see, you know, get in that off-season training program. And I think that I think that guy could be a beast, to be totally honest. I think he could be. He was In a Northern Arizona game, he was making plays. Um, so I kind of look forward to seeing him progress as, you know, as a linebacker for UNC. Um, then you got cornerback. They only lose Isaiah Swopes. Um, you know, and they'll get back, uh, like Marshawn Cameron missed most of the season with an injury. So it'd be nice to get him back and have Michael Walker back. Um, there's another guy to have Pete Wilson back. The Juco, um, will be back. And plus a few other kids that, you know, and that didn't get much playing time this year. So that's another position where I think they'll have a lot of, uh, you know, people pushing to play. Um, then you got the safeties you're going to be losing. You know, you're going to be losing probably one of the better, you know, you're going to be losing a couple big-time tacklers in Sharon Boyd and, uh, and Kiefer Glau. You know, big-time players for them back there in that safety positions. But you're going to return uh, Jerome Jackson, who will be a junior next year. And that guy, that guy is like a missile out there. He was make tackle after tackle after tackle. You know, when you would see somebody flying up there, it was usually always him. Um, very impressive player. Um, I think next year he's going to even play even more and make even more tackles. Um, it's going to be interesting who's going to step into some of them other, that other, some other safety slots. You might see, you know, like Jamon Du Bois get a chance. Uh, Nick Vincent also, you know, get more playing time. Um, you know, so, and I think they'll probably probably be one of those guys to get um, the other safety spot. And where they're also Going to be uh, missing somebody as a kicker and Marcus Combs, who ended up being the field goal kicker as the season went on. They will return, return Colin Root, who was the main guy um, two, like last year. Um, he'll probably come back and be you know a punter for them. Him and probably Noah Soul, they'll probably you know do like they did last year when Noah hit some punts, and then then uh, Colin would punt as well. Um, you know, and hopefully Colin can find um, you know get more confidence in the kicking game. Um, because he was good a couple, he was good last year. Um, just kind of lost his, uh, uh, kind of lost his, I guess, his mojo this year. But uh, I would kind of like to see UNC kind of get away from, you know, having guys that play positions and kicking and punting. I would like just like them to have a guy that just punts and a guy that just kicks. Um, you know, I think you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they did recruit a, uh, like a, a kicker to come in next year for them. Um, so, you know, if you look at, they're going to be losing some players, but they're going to be, you know, returning a lot of guys that got playing time this year. Um, you know, it should be interesting. I get, I get, again, I think, you know, probably headed into the beginning of next year, um, you know, they might, you know, they, you know, the, the, my guess is they're going to be picked in the bottom again and the biggest guy to begin the season, um, you know, but that's fine. You know, that's fine. And, you know, you don't know anything until you start playing the games. Um, it gives them again gives these kids motivation to, you know, turn this program around. You know, make this program a, you know, because whoever, you know, who whatever group of kids turn this program around makes it a playoff, uh, Big Sky contender is gonna be, you know, that's gonna be a huge, 
they're going to, you know, remember all their lives. Yeah, we turned the UNC program around. And, you know, I kind of, you know, I kind of can't wait for that to happen. I've been waiting for a while, but, you know, these kids have a lot of motivation for something like that. Um, so, you know, there's, you know, with all those returning players, you know, like I said, I, we'll, we'll, we'll see how next year goes. I think they play, um, you know, they play San Jose State, which I think they've only won one game. So, I mean, quite honest, I, and I'm actually thinking about maybe going to that game. Um, quite honestly, that could be a game where they actually have a chance of winning, which would be kind of incredible. Um, and I think next year they play, I think, I think they play also play Washington State, which will be rough. But, uh, you know, they're, they're, this year they didn't have any FBS teams, and I think next couple of years they have two of them each, each season, so, um, but I'm already looking forward to that, and I think the other games, I think, they, I think they're going to play Sacramento State again, I think that'll be in Sacramento, and then they'll play South Dakota as well at home, I think that's going to be their four non-conference, and then you have to wait a little bit to see, you know, what, uh, you know, what the Big Sky schedule will look like, um, you know, some teams, they, you know, let's see if they get Montana back on the schedule, if they get Idaho, Idaho State, they also didn't play this year. Um, i trying to think of any, if there's any other ones they didn't play. But, you know, they might have some of those teams as well. You know, they had six home games this year. Probably, I'd, my guess is probably have five uh, next year. So, you know, already counting already counting down these days until that first game. And I kind of can't wait. Um, so, I'm going to get into, you know, at 2-9 and nine this year and at 3-7 and seven last year. Um, you know, when coach Ernest Collins, you know, he's had eight seasons. Um, you know, and I hate to, I hate to bring this up and hate to talk about this, but, you know, it's almost seems inevitable that, you know, this was probably his last year as coach of the UNC Bears. Um, you know, we got a new, I think, new president. I think the athletic director's somewhat new, or at least, yeah, I think he's maybe his first full year this year. Um, so, you know... I wouldn't doubt if they decided to go with somebody different. Um, you know, I think Ernest Collins is, you know, I think he's a good man, good coach. Um, he's a leader of men. Uh, he's, you know, done a great job as with uh, UNC as far as the academics. They're consistently up there with guys graduating, uh, having good grades, um, you know, which I think in, you know, in a different world, I think that would be the most important thing. But even at the FCS level, it's about winning football games. And, uh, you know, Coach Collins has basically gone, let's see, what, five and, um, let's see, five and 16 this, you know, the past two years. And his overall record isn't very good, you know. So, you know, and I hate you seeing, using the term, you know, need to go in another direction. But I think this is a situation where that term actually fits and, you know, I wouldn't doubt if, you know, UNC heads into another direction. And I'm kind of hoping if, you know, I'm kind of hoping if they've kind of, you know, when UNC was 0-4, 0-5, 0-6, and, you know, 0-7, I was kind of hoping they, you know, hopefully they were already looking at coaches. Hopefully they were already, you know, had at least a little bit of list of coaches um, that they were looking to, you know, get or go after. Um, you kind of got to think, you know, what kind of coaches could UNC attract? Um, you know, the, you know, as I think last time I read, I saw where Coaches Collins' uh, salary is $150,000 a year. 
you know, a lot a lot of people would like $150,000 a year, especially to coach football. But in the, in the football world, um, I don't know the average of, like, FCS coaches or whatever. But compared to a lot of, you know, FBS coaches, that's really nothing. I mean, you probably got, uh, like, you probably have, like, you know, some places where the wide receiver coach makes that much. Um, you know, you have some places where the, where the assistant coaches make millions. Um, so, and you know, so, you know, what kind of coaches can UNC attract? You know, are they can, can they get, you know, obviously they can't get, like, these big names or whatever. Um, could they get somebody who maybe, you know, you know, didn't had troubles or, you know, failed at the FBS level and maybe want another coaching job to kind of, you know, you know, get back up there again. You know, they could go that route. I know recently Louisville uh, fired coach uh, Bobby Petrino. I doubt UNC will get him, but just saying somebody like that, you know, gets fired from the SBS level and uh, they're looking for a place to coach. Uh, could be somebody like that. And, uh, you know, I was kind of been looking, you know, at some coaches um, locally that, uh, you know, as I was thinking, you know, hey, that would make sense to look kind of local in some of the local, like, D2 programs that are, you know, doing decent. And, uh, you know, maybe some guys that have also been a part of the program at one time as well that could come back to coach at UNC. And um, this is like a very early, um, you know, kind of predictions or very early uh, look at, you know, some coaches. And this is, I didn't really do like a massive amounts of research is, is it into this. Uh, but, you know, here's, I have like three uh, guys that could be possible on next coaches for UNC if they do decide to get rid of Coach Ernest Collins, um, which, I, like I said, I, I mean, I, you know, I'd hate having to, you know, talk about a guy loses his job, and I know he loves you, but I think, you know, we kind of have to get real at the same time. It just feels like, you know, th that they're probably going to move on from him. Uh, so, very, very early predictions that I got, or maybe some, you know, <laughs> I guess recommendations, but just early, early predictions of who the new US, UNC coach uh, could be is, you know, who's on the sidelines that very first game against uh, San Jose State in San Jose. Um, first one I look at is uh, Bob Stitt. Um, the people in Colorado may know, know him as a head coach at the Colorado, uh, Colorado School of Mines, and he was also Montana's coach um, up until, uh, well, actually Montana's coach last year, up until this year when they decided to get rid of him and go uh, with an older coach that they used to have before. Um, you know, and if you look at Mines, when he was at Mines, uh, back in those early 2000s, 90s, they were terrible. They were easily one of the worst teams in the RMAC um, every single year, um, winning one, two, zero games. They were just, they were bad. Um, and actually, so he took so takes over there. Um, and it was actually, had a friend who played for them. He was ended up being the Harlan Hill Trophy winner that year. Um... You know, I kind of in the first few years he was there, kind of he started there and kind of felt bad for him because, you know, it was they're losing and he was running for his life. But his senior year, he wins the Harlan Hill Trophy. They go undefeated, win the Armac, and end up making the playoffs. Um, I don't know if it was the first time in their history, but it was one first time in forever if it wasn't the first time. And ever since that year, they were a decent team. Every year they were either you know winning the Armac or you know, had a winning record. He, he turned that program around there, um, and it turned it well, well enough that he got a job at uh, Montana. Um, that's no, you know, that's no minor step up. Um, Montana, one of the 
you know, most prestigious programs in FCS, um, you know, so they, I think what they thought was, you know, Stitt, Bob Stitt was, was running definitely a more modern, you know, kind of a progressive offense of the times, uh, very wide open, put up huge numbers, you know, very pass heavy. Um, I think that's the route they wanted to go. Um, and he actually did all right at Montana. I don't know if he made the playoffs there, um, but I think he only had three seasons. And, you know, there's high standards there. And I think it's either two or three of those seasons lost to Montana State and didn't make the playoffs. You know, so for a place like that, that wasn't good enough. So they uh, let him go. Um, but, uh, you know, he's, he's a very good coach. And if you want to know the connection to UNC, he actually, this is where he, I think he first started, like, you know, being a coach. He studied under uh, uh, Coach uh, K. Dalton at UNC um, and actually earned his master's degree from UNC. So he has kind of a connection there. Uh, right now, I think he's like a offensive consultant for Oklahoma State. So, you know, UNC would be, you know, another chance for him to come back and get into the head coaching ranks. Um, you know, he put up huge numbers at Mines. Um, and then in a conference that, you know, puts up huge numbers like the biggest guy, um, you know, this could be, you know, he's probably even learning more from uh, different stuff from uh, Mike Gundy there at uh, Oklahoma State. So, you know... It, it could it, could it be exciting? Yes. Um, you know, would their defense hold up? And would it be better? I don't know. You know, definitely w uh, more exciting. But there's a possibility there in a, a coach of uh, Bob Stitt. Another guy and another coach from, and actually the current head coach of this Colorado School of Mines, you got Greg Brandon. Um, he is head coach at Mines. He is actually the head coach of Bowling Green uh, for f quite a few years, and actually, I think they won I think they made the MAC title game, or maybe even won it in one of those years. And he had a pretty, he had a, you know, not a great, great record there, but it was decent. Um, and he was actually hired there by Urban Meyer as as an offense coordinator. So that's, you know, kind of gives you an idea about you know what kind of offensive mind he is. Um, you know, if Urban Meyer uh, decides to hire to hire him. Um, he was he also was I think at CU and he was at Northwestern. I think Wyoming were some places where he was assistant, assistant at. Uh, so, you know, he's a well-traveled guy. Uh, you know, I think, you know, college football has been part of his life for a long time. Um, I guess, and he, uh, and his connection to UNC is that he actually played for Mesa his first year, but then he transferred to UNC and he played as a defensive back and a wide receiver, and he graduated from UNC. So there's his connection to UNC right there. Um, um, so, and right now they, this past year they've won the RMAC, um, only lost one game in the RMAC. This Saturday they're, they're playing CSU Pueblo, uh, in a playoff game. And, um, you know, so, you know, they might have to wait if, you know, if Greg, if Greg Bannon is a choice for them, they probably have to wait till their season's over, which could be this week. It could be, you know, in a couple weeks, you know, we have, we're going to have to wait and see with that one. You know, and I mentioned CSU Pueblo, um, and then that's the third and final coach, um, that, kind of on my little, you know, three-man three, three man list here. Uh, John, that's John Riston. Um, he is he's the head, currently head coach at uh, CSU Pueblo. Um, and they started, they actually had a program back in the day where he actually played for and was a really good quarterback for. Uh, and then they restarted the program up in 2007. Um, you know, that's, I mean, started from scratch on this one. Um, and then they, three years later, they were RMAC champions. So, 
you know, that's a hard thing to do. And actually, in the first year, I think they were four and six was like, which was the most uh, wins for a startup program in like Division Two history. So, you know, that's kind of saying a lot. You know, he could come here. He could, you know, obviously he went up to start from scratch here. Uh, I think he got a lot to work with here. Um, but he could, you know, revive this program. Um, he also was, uh, he's also been in quite a many places. He was tight end coach at UCLA and CSU. Uh, and also, he also coached at uh, Northwestern for a little bit, I think, doing, like, punt returns, uh, kick returns. Uh, I think he was even their offensive – I mean, he was their, like, a recruiting coordinator for a little bit as well. Um, and, um, like I said, he started CSU Pueblo's uh, program from scratch. Um, I kind of watched his teams over the years. Um, it, more his, his very good – they're very good defenses. Um, very good defenses. It's kind of what their bread and butter is. And when they won the national championship a few years ago back, that's they won it 13 and nothing. Um, their offenses are more like pro set, run heavy, um, kind of like UNC's, maybe even more conservative. Uh, you know, but you know if you can come in and you know have a good defense here at UNC, and then you know to hire some offense coordinator that could you know put up points, that could be a good thing. Um, with him, I think out of out of all of them. I think the other two maybe have a chance with him, though. You know, he played at CSU Pueblo. Um, you know, he has something good there. You know, he's probably comfortable there. Um, so it would be kind of surprising. I think in the past they might have had tried to, you know, to contact him to be the head coach of UNC. Not sure, but that's kind of what I've heard. Um, so, you know, it would be kind of surprising if he came to UNC, but I think that would be a solid choice if he did. Uh, you know, especially it could improve the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, even though the Big Sky has big-time offenses, um, teams like Weber State consistently have good defenses, and they've been competing the past couple of years. Southern Utah last year uh, was a Big Sky co-champions with a solid defense. Uh, you know, and you just look at teams even at FBS, you know, with Alabama, solid defense. Uh, I'm a Michigan fan. Michigan fan has a really good – Michigan has a really good defense. Uh, you know, so like something is like, you know, having a bad defense makes for a long season, a bad offense makes for, you know, long games, but you know, if you have a good defense, it keeps you in it. Um, so I kind of wouldn't mind going that kind of route, defensive route, but like I said, I think out of all of them, at least three, John Riston would probably kind of be surprising if he left the CSU Pueblo, you know, like I said earlier, Bob said a huge, you know, offensive guy. Greg Brandon, he's put up big time numbers at you know, Mines now and at other places he's been. Um, you know, out of all these three, if I had to choose one of them, like I, I kind of looking at Greg Brandon, he, um, you know, he's doing really well at Mines right now. He's coached at Bowling Green. Uh, he played at UNC. I mean, it seems like he would be a good fit. You know, I would like to see that. Um, you know, he's kept the program at Mines going well. Um, so. You know, I mean, I think, you know, if you, and I've kind of watched some of these games, and I, you know, I've some watched Mines play and CSU Pueblo play, and UNC, I, I think, has better talent. Um, I think if you give Greg Bennett even better players, like the, he can even do more with, and I think he, which he showed that at Bowling Green. So, you know, if I had to pick uh, one guy out of these three, or maybe even out of other candidates, that I, I, Greg Brandon seems like a good choice. Um, you know, how, you know, you have to think about how entrenched is he there at Mines. I don't know, you know. I mean, if he took the UNC job, it wouldn't be that uh, far of a move. 
still be in Colorado. Um, I think UNC, you know, I don't know how much money they have in the, the coffers to offer somebody for a job, but you know, I think they need to, you know, at least try to get the best they can. You know, if they're going to, you know, go a different direction, um, you know, better. You know, I just hope they don't go for some unknown or some guy that's inexperienced or whatever. And you know, you know, it'd be kind of disappointing if they did. But uh, you know, I just kind of sure do hope it's Greg Brandon. But you know, I guess we have to wait and see. You know, when they finally make that uh, final choice. Um, you know, if they do fire Coach Collins. Um, so, you know, as far as, like, podcasts coming up, um, you know, I'll probably, I'll probably have another one once, uh, you know, if they, if there's, a, if they do ever decide, you know, that they're going to get rid of Coach Collins, I'll probably have another one then, um, you know, and then, but until then, I'll probably, you know, probably wait up until the, re- you know, recruiting process is done, um, you know, and I'll, you know, probably have a one over, when, when that happens, you know, then during the off season, might look at you know if I can, you know, um, maybe do a a review of UNC's uh, season this year, and you know, by the time I, you know, hopefully they have the schedule, I'll kind of go over, you know, a little preview of that, you know, and then have some, then you know, have some more during their uh, fall uh, training. I might have, you know, I might have some during their uh, spring camp too, if I if I can happen to, you know, depending on what time they are and you know when I can go. You know, hopefully, like, I know, I know the past year they were, like, late. Or, I mean, they were earlier in the morning, which kind of sucked and kind of hard to go to. And hopefully, kind of, they're later, but we'll wait and see on that. So, you know, so, again, we have to wait all the way up until August uh, for the next uh, UNC football game. And I'm already counting down the days. And, like I said, you know, there's still a lot of UNC sports being played right now. Um, You know, even though the, even though the, you know, the football season didn't end well. I mean, like I said, the basketball, both basketball teams, men and women, I think are going to have a solid year. Um, the UNC soccer team was in the Big Sky, the women's soccer team was in the Big Sky championship game. Um, it kind of if it's point loss to Montana, a team they had beat, uh, you know, and kind of a you know, str- struggle there in that game. They kind of didn't play as well as, a, you know, when I've watched them play other times, but, you know, that's, you know no, another good performance by them who they're consistently good in the Big Sky in soccer. Um the volleyball team, I think right now, I'm not sure where they sit, but I think maybe, you know, kind of, I don't know if it's middle of the pack, maybe in, in the top up there. Uh, I know they're hosting the Big Sky Championships here pretty soon, so that should be good. Um, you know, the wrestling team, I think, is about a year away of being really, really competitive. Um, but, you know, but they still go, f- it's still fun to go watch, which I'll probably do. Um, the baseball team, um, we'll see how that goes. Um, they've made the WAC tournament the past couple of years. Uh, I'm kind of hoping for that again. Um, yeah, let's see. Try to think of anything else that I'm missing. Um, don't really go watch track, but it might be people that are into that. Um, but you know, until then, I'll be watching UNC sports and waiting for the next football season to start. So, um, uh, so until next time, I see you guys. This is Austin Muniz with uh, Bear Down uh, Podcast, and like I always say, uh, vamos osos. Taste in my mouth.
wanted to leave me all alone by myself. I don't want nobody else. The world needs a bit of taste in my mouth. 